Solve the World, a fictional adventure told in 100 episodes. This week, episode 20, Eight Conversations. The schooner Orion is manned by an overcaffeinated captain, a workaholic first mate, a grumpy but talkative evolutionary biologist, a postal worker, a cryptozoologist, a woman with severe elephantitis, a near-mute math genius, a doubting reverend, and a mind reader. Jen's about to have one-on-one conversations with all of them. Starting now. Conversation 1 with the first mate of the Orion, Emanuela Godard. Hi, Miss Godard? Uh, Manuela? Hello, ma'am. If you insist on calling on that name, you'll live a lonely life on this boat. Excuse me? I am the ship's first mate, not some man. You will call me first. Understood? Yes, ma'am. Uh, first? You're green, but if you listen well, work hard, and stay on deck, you'll become something less than an embarrassment to yourself soon enough. Wow. Okay. So I guess as first mate, your role on board is to play the bad cop? This vessel was myopic. Dystopian. A fusion of ignorance and ignoramuses. The ignorance are fine. I can teach them how not to be ignoramuses. But the ignoramuses on this boat, those ones, you can't teach them. You can't help them help themselves. You can't even talk to some of them. Forgive me if I come off as a bit hoarse. We barely survived our last outing, and those mother ignoramuses dug our grave. Babbitt's wild expedition has the luck of the gods to thank for her being alive today. What do you mean? What happened? I keep hearing everyone reference your last adventure, but no one's told me what y'all went through. Are you ready to tell us why Lilith Babbitt decided to thrust a 17-year-old girl onto the deck of my ship? Your ship? You'll see soon enough who runs this place. Okay. I'm sorry if I'm an inconvenience to you, but I'm here now. That's not going away. So you can label me an ignoramus, ignorant, whatever. You can throw me over if you really want. You're going to have to deal with me, one way or the other. If you're really the person that makes everything run smoothly around here, then you must as well reckon yourself to the fact that I'm here. I'm alive, and I'm ready to learn and work. Alright? Now that's the first intelligent thing I've heard you say. That's... good, right? Listen, I thought Babbitt was sending me another idiot genius who'd just cripple us even further. But, if you're ready to work, to man up, Then I'm pleased to have you aboard, Jennifer Free. You can just call me Jen. I'll call you whatever I want to call you. (sighs) Right, of course. Call me an ignorant or ignoramus. You might think I'm being mean, but have you seen these people? What, the... the crew? Ha! We don't have a crew. We have the world's most eclectic bunch of aspiring minds who all seem to think that this boat runs itself and that their transcendental dreams is the gas that fuels us. But... I thought you said there were ignorance and ignoramuses, like two groups. Marco and Gimli? Those are the only two worth their weight around here. And the captain? (laughs) That's the best joke I've heard all week. Why is that funny? 
If you knew the captain like I know the captain, you'd laugh too. Okay, what about Lex and Miles? They seem young and athletic and stuff. Lex is too scatterbrained. She'll be working, true enough, but then suddenly, like a haunting miracle floating on a day breeze, her face goes blank. No one's home. Knock, knock. No one's home. She's gone somewhere else. I near have to hit her to bring her back. And Miles? Who, Fa? He's too busy overanalyzing himself. The man is a god of psychology, and yet he finds himself more fascinating than anything else in nature. He's a narcissist, through and through. I despise his type. So, what do I have to do to not be an ignoramus? Here, for starters, grab onto this. Conversation 2 featuring the grizzled veteran evolutionary biologist, Merkel. Hi, uh, Merkel, right? Yes. Hello, Jennifer. How are you liking the Orion? I don't really know yet. To be honest, the last few days have been so... Out of the ordinary, I'm having a hard time making much sense of the world. Is that why you shaved your head? Oh, uh, I like it. It means business. Ha, <laughs> well, the first mate just said you were all about getting down to business. Yeah, me and Gadar get along pretty well. Boats don't sail themselves, you know. Yeah, that's what she said. She tell you much else? Not really. I don't think she likes me very much. She's an interesting one, that Gadar. How so? For starters, she should really be the skipper on board. Sounds like she feels the same way. Well, if the situation were any other, I'm sure she'd stage a coup and mutiny till she got her way. It's that serious, then? Every situation is that serious for Gadar. Oh, so what's so special about the current situation that keeps her from... from mutiny? From mutinying? From mutinizing? You mean besides the fact that she's married to the captain? Whoa! What? I had no idea. Nobody told me that. Yep. You'd never know unless someone told you. Neither of them like each other very much. They don't share a bed. They don't even wear wedding rings. I've never even heard Gadar say his name. It's always captain for her. Always. But they must love each other to sign up to sail around the world together like this. Your guess is as good as mine. So what do you do so well to stay on First Mate's good side? It seems everybody else is in the doghouse with her. Have you looked around? Have you seen who you're on board with? Uh, I just, uh, what, what makes you different? It has nothing to do with me. I'm the normal one. It's them that are different. Take Lex, for example. She seems normal enough. Alexandra Keitel is crazy. Sure, she's a sweet girl and all, but the crazy just keeps bubbling up. Ah, I think I may know what you mean. I had a roommate who would freak out at me. She'd be normal and then all of a sudden attack me. Crazy stuff. Well, now, it's not like Lex is mental in the classical sense. She's not bipolar or anything. It's just the thing she believes in. Honestly, this is the God's honest truth, and I feel I have to say that because it's so preposterous. Lex Keitel believes her mother... Is, was, I'm not sure if she's dead or not, a selkie. A whatie? A selkie. I've never heard that word before. 
A Selkie is a sea person. Usually they're associated with seals. What, like someone obsessed with swimming? No, ma'am. person who is a human on land, but turns into a seal when they're in the ocean. Oh, a mermaid. No, full seal. No Starbucks fin business. A full-on metamorphosis into a seal. Wow. Okay, that's that's a new one for me. And she's the least of our worries. How so? Well, you got Father Thomas, who's literally trying to live up to his name. Thomas? Yeah, like the Apostle Thomas. Thomas was the follower of Jesus who refused to believe that Jesus resurrected. He's the Bible's great doubter. Meanwhile, our Thomas is so plagued with self-doubt that he got himself signed up on the Orion here just to search the world for God. He wants a miracle. A true, anti-science, no way to explain it, divine miracle. I think he spends more time staring at the clouds and sky than he does anything else. Then there's Sir Isaac and Lizard, both of which are more or less doorweights. I know it's not Lizard's fault she has elephantitis, but I don't really see Babbitt's thought process in assigning a woman of her condition to a boat that's bound to battle the Seven Seas. What's the deal with Isaac? Does he not like people? Oh, I'm sure he likes people fine. He just never met anybody. He's got no social skills because he spends every waking minute of his life thinking about numbers. He's an accountant? He's a theoretical mathematician. Oh, so like he's trying to solve some ultimate equation or something? Hell if I know. And is the captain really like the way first mate says? Just call her Gadar. No one calls her first. But she said, she tells everyone that, but no one listens to her. And yes and no, the captain's not as bad as she likes to say he is. He's just not quite as hard-nosed as she is. I don't understand. He's a peacetime leader. He's good for the soul when times are good. But when times get bad, he's not the guy you want in your foxhole. Besides that, there's just Miles Faw and Robles, who we'll pick up tomorrow. You heard about Robles? No, who's he? He was with us before the whole Alaska debacle. Gimli brought news that Robles' woman, well, one of them, was about to have a baby, so we went off to go see the birth and pick up his son. But we're picking him up tomorrow. The lucky mongrel got out of Dodge just when things went downhill for the Orion. Yeah, about that, what happened in Alaska? Seems like everyone's whispering about it. Nothing good, I'll tell you that much. And yeah, Miles Faw? Faw's young enough, strong enough, athletic enough to be a good crew member. But he's always looking for a mind he can't control. Usually, that just leaves him thinking about himself. That's the only diamond just beyond his reach, methinks. And I heard another name. Gimli? Ah, Gimli. Gimli's the best of us. Conversation 3 with Alexandra Keitel, known as Lex, the Orion's local cryptozoologist. Convinced you're trapped on a boat full of lunatics yet? Oh, hey, you snuck up on me there. Sorry, what did you ask? Having second thoughts about the Orion? Lilith made it sound so great, right? (laughs) Yeah, something like that. I just... I'm not sure how to fit in. Everyone seems pretty isolated, you know? It doesn't feel like a team or a crew. I don't know what I expected. I guess I thought there would be something here that I could be a part of. Something to plug into. Well, you have to keep in mind, we just went through a horrible ordeal. We're lucky to be as okay as we are. 
Everyone's just on edge. We haven't figured out what our next mission is. So I think until that's cleared up, everyone's just a little bitey. I think we're all a little afraid of ending up in another Alaska situation. Once we're on our way somewhere, you'll see. We'll gel once again. So, how's it work? Like, we'll just choose a mission to go on? Pretty much. I joined just before the campaigns of the underwater volcanoes off the coast of Hawaii. Oh, wow. How was that? Actually, that was a pretty successful campaign. But then, Captain Alf had to have his way. So, like, everyone has a powwow or something to decide what to do? Ah, well, yeah. The semi-annual Great Debate. What's it like? It's pretty much the only time all of us act like a crew. The only time we're all together. It's amazing how ten of us, well, eleven if you count Gimli, can perpetually find so many places to be on this small of a boat. Huh. So, uh, can I ask you a question? Someone telling stories about me? Well, just, I was talking to Merkel. Yeah, Merkel has a way of getting into everybody's business. What's his thing, anyway? Everyone here seems to have a thing, but he didn't tell me what his thing is all about. He's an evolutionary biologist. He's been trying to find a cure for death. But everyone dies. The funny thing in all this, we're a bunch of broken people. You don't turn into an obsessed ideaholic without having a series of breaking points in your life. Pretty much everyone here's gone through something horrific that's made them that way. Cap, Godar, obviously Liz, even Fa. We've all been through the ringer of emotion and suffering. So like, when I heard Merkel had this destiny to cure death and discover immortality, I presumed he'd lost an only child or witnessed a loved one die in his arms or something. But no, he's an only child. Gimli brings him mail all the time from both his parents. The man's in his late 50s and both of his parents are alive. He's never been married, never even been in a deep relationship as far as I know. So where does he get this zealous need to cure death? I'm lost on that one. So you've been through some rough stuff, huh? Well, my mom left when I was seven, and so my dad took us kids and immigrated to Toronto. Your mom just left you? Like, abandoned? Pretty much. She'd put it another way, but... Merkel said... It's Jen, right? Yeah, Jen is good. Jen, I don't really want to get into all that right now. With you. I'm not comfortable opening up to people I don't know yet. I'm sure you're a nice girl and all, but trust is to be earned, okay? Sure, sure, of course. I, I totally get that. Conversation 4, featuring Miles Faw, resident master of the mind. Hey, you're Miles Faw, right? I don't think we've been formally introduced yet. Yeah, uh, hi. So everyone says you're the nerd of the group. Sorry, uh... I need to get to clean the lavatory right now. It's my day for it, and it's kind of a one-man job. You should talk to Merkel or Gadar. They'll give you something to do. Oh, right. Thanks. Conversation 5 with Father Thomas, the longest tenured crew member of the Orion. We didn't get a chance to really meet before. 
I'm Father Thomas. Hi, Father Thomas. I'm Jennifer Free. So you're Catholic and a priest? I've been learning a lot about saints and Catholicism lately. I'm glad to hear that. But perhaps unfortunately for you, I'm Anglican. Anglican? Is that like an angel church? No, not angels. Angles. Huh? You know, angles. We're really into geometry. You're pulling my tail. I am. Anglican is just another type of Christianity. Oh, okay. So you're the boat's pastor? I take it you don't quite understand what you've joined yet, have you? I thought I did, but... Excuse me for saying this, but y'all are so weird. <laughs> That's the truest sentiment I've heard all week. What were your expectations when Mrs. Babbitt offered you a position on the Orion? I don't know. Adventure? Interesting sights? Hmm. I guess now that I think about it, I thought, for some reason, that I'd be able to understand what's true out here. I just came out of a... a gross situation. And to be honest, I've been so confused. I thought that the open water, the physicality of this voyage... I thought that would make everything clear, you know? That makes sense to me. But sadly, in my experience, nature is just as obscure as the metro. So why are you here? Oh, I've been here for ages now. I predate this entire crew. I was here when the Orion was helmed by Captain Lamarcus LaSalle, way back in the day. How long has the Orion been, like, in office, in commission? I don't rightly know. I think she's been at sea in one iteration or another for centuries. But, Alfred's a good captain. You've come at a good time. Really? Because I kind of got the idea that I've come at a really bad time. Nonsense. What would make you think that? It's just, people seem pretty closed off. Tight-lipped. And no one, I guess, except you, seems to think too highly of the captain. Alaska didn't do us any favors. That's really all there is to it. If you'd come before, right after the volcanic outing, then you'd have found us a much more jolly gang, especially with Robles around. He's a firecracker, a real energy giver. So why do you say I've come at the right time, then? I think because, even though none of us liked going through it, what happened in Alaska was good for us, especially for the captain and first mate. Maybe no one realizes it yet, but once the shock wears off and the bitter edge of the experience is blunted with faded memories, all of us have come out better people. Why? Sometimes, at least in my experience, the only way to recover after a horrible experience is to go through another grueling one. The new covers up the old. Now when Alf and Gadar think on hard times, the most recent memories, like Alaska, come first to mind. The older stuff doesn't come up, at least not immediately. The faces of their two little ones won't come to surface. Two little ones? About... What, maybe four years ago now? Gadar gave birth to twins, a little boy and a little girl. They were... they were so happy. They made plans to leave the Orion to start a new life on land with their growing family. We were off the shores of Tonga at the time. And then, before we had a chance to get away, the little one died. The little boy. It was awful. We all felt the pain, of course, living in such proximity. But to this day, I still can't imagine what Gadara now felt. We had a funeral at sea for the little boy. 
I tried to do a service that honored God, but... But it was a tough time. Then, slowly, things seemed like they were getting back on track. Alf still said they planned to leave, but I think... They didn't want to leave the only place they knew their son. That's horrible. And then... Months later, the little girl left us too. How? Both of them. They just... Left in the night. For the second one, we tried to do a funeral just like the first. I tried again to do an, a service that honored God, but... But like I said, it was a tough time. Oh, gosh. I had no idea. This is a hard world. So are you... I mean, do you... People give. Do you take confession? Is there something you need to get off your chest, Jennifer? I, I was just wondering. You know, in case there comes a time. Conversation 6 with Elizabeth Schumacher, a.k.a. The Lizard. Hey, how's the steering going? The Zyathan could work. Excuse me? I said, the Zyathan could work. Why does everyone on this boat talk in riddles? I shouldn't have scolded you last night. Your answer wasn't bad. Might not even be wrong. Okay, well, glad I could help. See you later. Conversation 7, featuring Captain Alf and Sir Isaac. So how's your first day going, young love? Meet everyone? Got the lay of the land down much yet? Gadar assigned me your daily tasks? Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a process, right? Excuse me? Like, it's a first step. Y'all are a lot to handle. But you at least connected with everyone. I think that's important. Sure, I introduced you at the beginning, but that's not real conversation. I want to make sure you have genuine conversations, genuine connections. That's the only way we'll become one mind, one organism. So... Yes, sir? Captain? Did you make meaningful connections? Yeah, I mean, uh, with most everyone. Most? Not all? Well... There's Sir Isaac. He didn't even look you in the eyes, did he? He seems pretty busy. Ring his little neck. Come on, follow me. Let's go work this out. Isaac! 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 Wake up, man. I wasn't asleep. You had your bloody eyes closed, Isaac. I was thinking. It's two in the afternoon! It's bad enough you don't do anything on here, but for Pete's sake, man, this time is not that time to nap. I wasn't napping. You have your eyes closed, your head back, you're leaned back. When you're hard at work, you're bent over like a hunchback at that desk of yours. Whatever this is, whatever you're doing, not napping, it sure as Bloody Mary acts like sleeping. What are you here for? No, no. It's not like that. In the real world, Isaac, in the real world, we talk to one another like men. We look at each other in the eyes, we shake hands, we explain ourselves, and we work to meet each other halfway. I'm tired of bending over backwards. So far, I'm pretzel walking forward just so you can reach out just 1%. Not even 1%, Isaac. 
You understand numbers and percentages. 0.002%. That's all I'm asking you to give me on a day-to-day basis. 0.002% and tickle me bruised. You're still not able to give me that much of yourself. Not even 0.002%. You know what this is, young love? You see what this is? I'll tell you what this is. This is 0.0000004%. That's what Isaac is giving us right here, right now, 0.0000004%. Can you believe that, Jennifer Free? Hello! Have you even noticed she's bald? Hey! Sorry, love, I was just pointing out the obvious. Trying to make this lug weight have a reason enough to look up. What do you want, Alfred? What do I want? What do I want? What do I want? I want you to acknowledge the existence of our newest crew member. I met her yesterday. That's not what she expressed to me. Captain, it's okay. I'm sure we'll be pals in no time. You can't force these things. Maybe you can't, but I'm the captain. I'm the papa. Isaac, talk. Hello. Hi. Ask a question to the young lady. Why are you here? Say her name. Miss Free, but you can just call me Jen. Miss Jen? Now ask your question. Why are you on the Orion, Miss Jen? I'm... I'm searching for the Leviathan. Good, good! Well, look at that! Real conversation! Conversation for Returned, Miles Faw. Hey, I need to talk to you. Are you sure? Because it seemed earlier that you'd do anything to avoid talking to me. Yeah, about that. You're not exactly someone entirely new to me, Jennifer Calling. It's Jennifer Fr- Wait, how'd you know that name? I bet you've heard my name before, too. Miss Calling, I've been hired on behalf of Dr. Miles Fott to represent Mr. Muhammad Najjar. Dr. Miles Fott, Dr. Miles Fott, Dr. Miles Fott, Miles Fott, Miles Fott. I don't think so. How about the name Muhammad Najjar? Represent Mr. Muhammad Najjar. I was his therapist. Mr. Muhammad Najjar. Mr. Muhammad Najjar. Muhammad Najjar. You're a psychologist? Technically, an occupational hypnotherapist. Oh. Do you know why he attacked me? Yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about. Oh. I was kind of afraid to talk to you. I don't know why that happened, but I'm sorry. What are you sorry for? My technique, one of my techniques, it's it's pretty controversial. It involves making the situation much worse before it gets better. How's that? Muhammad Najjar came to me because he was deathly afraid of snakes. His brother and daughter both died from snake bites. Should you be telling me this? Doesn't this break some client doctor creed or something? I think I owe you an explanation, and who out here is going to prosecute me? The form of therapy I used on Mr. Najjar is called Convergent Hate-Fear Assimilation. When I found how deeply embedded Mr. Najjar's fear and hatred of snakes went, I was convinced there was no way to simply erase his fear. And because the center of his suffering was based not just on one event, but two separate traumatizing incidents separated years and years apart. There was no way I could find to just let him let it go. 
so I sunk him deeper into his trauma. I caused him to fear not just snakes, but all animals, every creature. Ideally, once that's established, once he hates and fears the entire animal kingdom, then I can break down his whole system of fear and hatred. I break him so that I can rebuild him. But the problem is, that time period when he's broken, that's a vulnerable and dangerous time. I had him in isolation, living on a ranch at my retreat, a solid two-hour drive east of Los Angeles. So, so his attack was all because of a fear of snakes? That's all it was? No. There's something else, too. Yes? Najar believed... He said he saw the snake that bit his sister. He said... His words, his belief was that the snake came out of the desert looking for him, but bit his sister instead. Then... After it bit her, it metamorphed into a man and ran away, back into the desert. Okay, what are you telling me? To be on the lookout for Transformers? No, I'm telling you that someone, and I don't know who, but someone, someone, Jennifer calling, let Najar out. Someone let out a very unstable man before he was fixed. And I believe someone sent him to Magical Kingdom that day. I think that that someone knew exactly what they were doing. You're saying... You're saying Najar was sent to take out my giraffe. I'm saying he was sicked on you, like a dog. Conversation 8, Lex again concerning Jorge Robles. So how's your first day gone? Okay, I guess. I'm sorry I came off brusque. I just don't like it when other people gossip about me. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I hope despite everyone's aloofness, I hope you feel welcome. I'm not sure if welcomed is quite the right feeling. It'll be better tomorrow once we pick up Robles. So who is he? He's a pagan extremist. He pretty much lives to experience the craziest stuff he can. Oh, and that's good? Well, it means he's always the life of the party. Gotcha. Oh, and who's Gimli? Ah, Gimli. Gimli's our postal man. Well, our post goal. Huh? He's Merkel's trained goal. He flies all over the place, picks up our mail from various locales, and brings it back to us. But if the boat's always sailing, how does the bird find us? Pretty cool, right? We may be a motley crew, but there's some magic amongst us. Jen smirked, pondering what adventures lay ahead for the Orion. Pulled a blanket and say good morning. The neighborhood on the freeway is bright. Cookers are my Solve the World is produced by myself, Dante Stack. You can find appropriate attribution for all the music and sound effects found in this episode and every other episode of Solve the World at our website, DanteStack.com, on our show notes page. Find some shade.
taking us to the trees isn't so bad. All the troubles were so man-made. Hey, hey, what you doing? 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 Hello. I'm Will Clark from Fort Worth, Texas. I've listened to all 100 episodes of Jen's story. Jen's met eight out of her nine fellow travelers on the Orion. On day three of Jennifer Dash's voyage on the high sea, Jorge Robles will make his triumphant return to the ship. Robles' appearance also dictates Jen's first encounter with the Theater of Remembrance, a style of storytelling she will one day model. That's next time on Solve the World. (laughs) 